Abby Normals. Welcome to Deeply Disturbing Things. The podcast. I'm Macy. And I'm Naomi. And, and Sarah's at Chuck E. Cheese and may pop in. We'll see. And we're three anxious counselors who like to talk about deeply disturbing things. <laughs> so join yes. us. Join us. Dive in. All uh, right. I- we're meeting via Zoom right now because life. Because life. I can't even remember who goes first. I think you do. Maybe. Do I? do I? I don't know. Do I? No, I went first because I talked about the sewing machines and the buttons and all that right off the bat. Remember? Oh, that's right. And yeah. are you bringing us a part two I'm to that tonight? Part dose coming tonight. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yes. All right. So you I'm... get to go first. Okay. I have to you take know, a sip is... of my special I... liqueur. I did um, finish cleaning up the dog poop that happened in my living room right before this. I don't have to smell it the whole time like I did when I was teaching class. So I'm really happy for you that you took care of that. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Still in there though. Still in there. Okay. This topic is one that's very close to my heart and um, is topical, topical topic. I'm going to talk about and probably get a little irate about the the ban on drag shows that some states are trying to do. Ooh, good topic. Because it's horrible. It's stupid. And there's so many repercussions. I'll get into it. Let me get into it. Okay. okay. Get, dive in. Okay. Last year, which is 2022, there was all of this anti-trans legislation. I think it was a record year for anti-trans leg- legislation. Um, you probably saw the sports bands mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to stop kids from playing on the teams of right. the gender they identify with. And then all the attempts to ban gender affirming care for youth mm-hmm. going so far as to say it was child that. abuse. Right. I've been seeing that mm-hmm. even recently too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's definitely still recently, but last year I think was, when the onslaught really, really stepped up. So now there's another front that has developed for uh, legislative attacks, and this is drag shows. Hmm. So drag shows like RuPaul's Drag Race have become really popular, so they're more in the forefront. Mm -hmm. Uh, His most recent season that's on right now is moved to MTV, which is more of a, I think, mainstream platform. Mm -hmm. And so as drag becomes more popular, there's been this backlash that is amping up. And so there's been legislation, there's been armed protests, there's been intimidation, there's been violence. It's crazy stupid. Right. In November, an Oklahoma bake shop had a Molotov cocktail thrown through its window after hosting a drag show. And tragically, that same month, that's when a shooter entered Club Q in Colorado Springs. Oh, so, and so awful. Opened fire, killing five people, injuring over 20. And two of the individuals that were killed were transgender individuals. And the shooting took place on the eve of Transgender Day of Remembrance. Yeah. Um, And there, you know, were drag performers in the crowd. I don't know if they're going to have a drag show that night or the next morning, but 
it, it was definitely a safe place for the community. Then in last December, far-right groups such as the Patriot Front and Proud Boys showed up to a drag story hour in Columbus, Ohio. They were armed. Mm. So this is an armed protest, and they sold up signs that said stuff like, groomers not welcome, and groomers are child abusers. Wow. Also, can I say, I think Proud Boys is a stupid name. It is a stupid name it's a stupid name for a stupid group so tennessee this is what's happening right now this week tennessee is set to become the first state in the u.s to ban drag shows what Mm -hmm. however there are at least 36 (sighs) proposed bills that are targeting drag in 14 other states including arizona our neighbors, Idaho and Texas. Oh my gosh. I mean, none of those fully shocked me, but it's so upsetting. Like the drag shows are some of the most funnest things to go to. And I'm sorry, but it's like 90% straight people that go to drag shows anyways, because they're just interested or it's a bachelorette party or, you know, like it's not, it's entertaining. It's entertainment and it's fun and engaging. Like, yeah. And it's, they're like safe places to be comfortable. Like really, you're going to make it all about you again. (sighs) One of my very favorite drag stars, Jinx Monsoon, who is experiencing national fame right now because um, they are starring in Broadway show, Chicago said last night my heart was broken as i learned that tennessee's anti-drag trans bill passed i really had more faith at this point i don't know what else to say we are fighting an uphill battle as a direct result of the progress we have made Mm -hmm. so let's take a look at this bill tennessee state senate voted in favor of a bill that criminalizes quote adult cabaret performances unquote that take place in public or in venues where minors could view them adult cabaret performances include topless dancers strippers and quote male or female impersonators impersonators unquote So you can see how this is a very dangerous, slippery slope, Mm -hmm. um, because on the surface it's targeting drag, but the subtext is that it's targeting trans people. Right. And drag shows that allow children in the audience have come under fire from far-right extremists around the country. But supporters of all-age drag shows say they provide a crucial support network for LGBTQ children who can benefit from events that celebrate gender identity and expression and diversity. So Jinx themselves started drag, I believe, at like age 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's largely described as a lifeline for young um, gay kids well, and a place to express themselves just a huge issue that we have in the united states for being scared of sexuality in general and not wanting to even teach kids about sexuality and gender um and it's just this avoidance and 
trying to like, well, we can't talk about it. We can't see it because that's scary. Why? I'm not fully sure, but it's really uh, outdated and old. It's It's old. old. If you say that you're- It's old, old, but not old enough. Because if you go back farther, then, you know, gender diversity actually has an honored place in the world. It's, it's, it's medium medium old. It's boring, old, boring, old discrimination. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, drag queens themselves say, yes, some drag shows are not for kids. Right. Those are going to be like late night in a bar. At a bar. And you know, people, you know, it's the right setting to be raunchy. Well, it's like, you know, if you take your kids to, to like the uh, ice to the ice rink and there's like ice skating performance, whatever they call that, like they're not going to go out there. I don't I don't know. Like, what are you talking about? I have no idea. I'm thinking like Disney on ice or something like the ice capades. Right. Like clearly they know their audience are tailoring what they do. Like, but then if you go this is all horrible i don't is know is there an after hours ice capades that i'm not I don't aware know. of I, I started going down that route and i was like i don't think that actually exists <laughs> a uh, triple ice x skaters like five. in in thongs <laughs> naked ice dancing <laughs> naked ice dancing <laughs> i have not heard of this sport but so i want to know more I'm, I'm immediately bored. interested <laughs> let's cast our ballots <laughs> I mean, my point's there somewhere. Yeah. But when when drag queens do events, like where they go to the library and read to kids, like that, there's nothing raunchy and inappropriate there. It's, you know, just reading some books to kids. Well, and like stuffed up conservatives in public aren't necessarily not raunchy. Like they're... They're usually the worst because they're repressed they're all yeah they're they may be doing the horrible things that's hidden and shameful because because they don't know how to express themselves in a healthy normal way like it's normal to express your gender and your identity and your sexuality we had some scandal here with a past mayor i remember that really presented themselves Uh, as being very like conservative and straight and like there was some whole like um her fuffle side thing that came out and it was it was a big scandal big cuddle puddle (laughs) so right-wing extremists are amplified by you know conservative mouthpieces politicians they claim that all-age drag shows are damaging to children's mental health and allege without any evidence they show me the evidence by all means they allege that these all-age drag shows are havens for child abusers, specifically pedophiles. Mm. So this is their whole propaganda now, where they're trying to equate um, drag queens with being groomers and pedophiles. And they repeat it so much, and then their audience doesn't look like question yeah. it. And then they publish, it gets published somewhere and then someone just glances at it and then it's in their brain. So this reminds me when I was in my master's program, it was like the first intro class in person and 
huge auditorium full of new counselors, you know, and our instructor, um, I didn't know it at the time, but, but he, he was gay and a question, someone raised their hand and completely inappropriate timing, like related to nothing says, I want to know when I should tell my children about gay people. And, and you see him like, kind of like, like, okay. And she's, and then she cuts him off and goes, because, you know, I don't, I would not go and tell my four-year-old about serial killers. And he just paused. He took a breath, the most dignified, like, I respect him so much for this calm breath he took. And he said, I'm going to pretend that you did not just compare gay people to serial killers. (laughs) And probably around the same time you talked to them about when two people love each other, maybe that, maybe around that time, whatever that is for you. And it was like, just so. That's a great response. It is. Makes me so angry. People make me angry. So many of the bills that are being um, pushed right now require businesses that want to host drag shows to register as adult entertainment venues or, quote, sexually oriented businesses, unquote, says Kate Ron. I'm probably mispronouncing that one, last name. <laughs> has a, it has a mysterious spelling. Does it, it's not R-O-N? <laughs> no, it's R-U-A-N-E. So I'm like, is it Ruin is it wrong? Maybe there's a lot of silent letters. <laughs> is it Rooney, I don't. Know. I'm sorry, Kate. Kate R, director of Pen America, which is an organization that works to defend and celebrate free speech. So, in most cases, says Kate R, this if this passes, it will have the effect of essentially banning drag shows, because. I mean, look at our local places. We have like nine, we have the globe. If they have to register as a sexually oriented business, like that's gonna, they can't do that. That would put them out of business. Well, and it's like all this wrong classification. Google did that to me today. I tried to post a repost of Black History Month, just something nice about Black History Month. And they flagged it as being politically oriented. How, how is that that? How, how is drag show now your business is a sexually oriented that makes it like a porn shop yeah that's what i'm saying it would effectively ban drag shows it's terrible Mm. so the proposed legislation often defines drag shows very broadly to include anybody who performs live dressed in clothing not associated with the gender that they're assigned at birth what So this is where it becomes extremely problematic, extremely threatening to the trans community. Right. Because it really made me think of back in the 60s when it was actually illegal to cross-dress. And this was the whole start of the the Stonewall riots because the the community got pissed and like done with cops raiding them, you know, pulling down clothing to see what genitals were there and you know, creating all kinds of violence and havoc. It's horrible. It's there. It's setting up a scenario where you you have to hide again um, because being seen isn't safe and it's already not safe for many. And it just, uh, but nobody wants to go back there. So I'm hoping that anybody listening out there will get 
angry as I am and, you know, do take a stand. This is the time to advocate. So drag, to be clear, is very distinct from being transgender, but many of these lawmakers um, and pundits have blended the two while pursuing attacks on trans people. So it's a way to kind of, in their mind, you know, capitalize on, on um, targeting more than one thing at a time that they um, hate. And trans and non-binary people and allies are really alarmed by this because it could be used to target trans people's movements in public, just like back in the 60s when it was illegal. So if the businesses are um, classified as adult businesses like strip clubs and porn stores, then Arkansas State Senator Gary Stubblefield, a Republican who sponsors the bill, told the Senate, quote, putting children in front of a bunch of grown men who are just like women cannot have any good outcomes. So it just speaks to such a lack of understanding and ignorance about what yeah. this guy is even talking about. It's, yeah, ignorance, like obviously choosing not to learn anything about it at all. Um, it's such, yeah, just, it's such an out really sad. It's really unprogressive sad. point of view. It's very bad, yes. So I watched the HBO series, We're Here, um, cry at the end of every episode. And time and time again, the queens who go to these small towns are confronted with these right-wing extremists who are protesting their presence in the towns they visit. And often their vitriol involves calling the drag queens pedophiles. So the extreme right-wing has fed its base this completely twisted, completely wrong and dangerous propaganda that encourages discrimination, stigma and hate and equates being a drag queen with being a groomer and a pedophile. So again, absolutely no evidence that drag performers are out there grooming and abusing children. So I'm just gonna do a couple of basic definitions. This is just like off of dictionary or Wikipedia or something. A pedophile is somebody who has intense sexually arousing fantasies, urges or behaviors involving sexual activity with children, generally under age 13. That's not drag queens nope. who are artists and entertainers and performers. Mm -hmm. And grooming is an active manipulation that can be used as a tool for those who are wanting to sexually abuse kids. So usually grooming is employed by a family member or someone else in the victim's circle of trust, such as a sports coach, a teacher, a youth group leader, or others who have natural access and interaction with the victim. They often um, gain trust within the entire family to gain this access. So again, not drag queens. Comments, Macy? Anything? I mean, Anybody it's angry? just. I'm angry. I'm getting I mean, a little like. 
I know it's just upsetting in general. Like it's, it's as a, as human beings, it's very, I, I hope that aliens set us straight one day, like just put, I don't know, maybe they need to like tap these people's foreheads and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm not an ignorant dumbass anymore. I'm not an ignorant son of a bitch anymore. Or, or they just, I don't know, maybe disappear. You know, nothing horrible. Disappear them. They can go into their own little place of ignorance. I don't care. That's fine. So I've ran across a really amazing article that I would say anybody that wants to really find out more about who is behind all of this bullshit, check out an article from the Southern Poverty Law Center that did a really good investigation into who's behind all this. Hmm. So the article points to those involved in the International Religious Freedom Summit, which just recently happened. And this summit provides a platform for multiple anti-LGBTQ plus hate groups and personalities who cloak their hate in religious rhetoric. So on the surface, International Religious Freedom Summit, that sounds nice. They always sound nice. Give me a trifold brochure, sign me up. Heaven's Gate. It sounds so nice. But that's the whole thing. This hate is cloaked in this religious stuff. So hate groups like, again, these names, the Family Research Council. It sounds scientific. They're doing research. They care about families. They're a council. I have a family. They like families. Great. Or the Alliance Defending Freedom. Hey, I like freedom. Let's defend it. So Mm -hmm. these names are so misleading. Um, And these groups have both sought and found acceptance within mainstream conservative politics and have become fixtures in the right-wing political movements around the globe. So they are embraced by the International Religious Freedom Summit organizers. And this represents a validation of their strategy to mainstream and normalize their extremism. So you want to know more about these people, Macy? I mean, not really, but I will. Well, because like on the surface, you're like, where is this coming from, right? It just speaks to this or that. Well, this is the source. Family Research Council President Tony Perkins, who spoke at the summit recently, had previously addressed a gathering of the Council of Concerned Citizens, a white nationalist hate group. He frequently attacks LGBTQ plus people, equating them with pedophiles, advocating biblical punishment, promoting the pseudoscientific and dangerous practice of conversion therapy, and espousing the idea that LGBTQ plus rights cannot coexist with religious freedom. So one cannot be without the other. So if you want religious freedom, then LGBTQ plus people can't have rights. You know, his last name, his last name starts with a P. Perkins, Tony Perkins. Therefore, he must be a pedophile. (laughs) That's literally the amount of connection. It's just as valid. So why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, there you go. 
They also promote the notion that religious freedom includes a right to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people. So you're starting to see this twisted reasoning. Mm-hmm. So the day the summit opened, the Family Research Council distributed an email to its members in which Perkins once again accused LGBTQ plus people of targeting children and mutilating their bodies concluding that gender identity ideology is an assault on the image of God in every child. He's an assault on my image of a decent human being. A decent human, yes. So the Alliance Defending Freedom, an international organization, was also listed on the summit website as a partner organization. And this group has previously documented how they advocate for the criminalization of homosexuality in Central America. And in Europe, it is argued for countries to sterilize transgender people. This is some like serious Nazi bullshit. Right. It's scary because right. these groups are gaining power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it started out kind of, they're extreme, they're in the wings, but now they're getting footholds in mainstream mm-hmm. Republican politics, conservative politics. So it's really it's scary. Just, we need to keep an eye on it. We cannot, you know, I sit know. back and think it's going to go away because well, let, let's remember Hitler. Where there's money, there's and power, there's going to be policy. And that's what's terrifying. So they do promote a license to discriminate legislation that would allow doctors to refuse to treat transgender people. So um, the Liberty University School of Law contributed enough money to this religious summit to be a convening partner. And this organization was founded in 1971 by Jerry Falwell who once called AIDS God's punishment for homosexuals. For shame. Another LGBTQ plus hate group called the Liberty Council, who's also involved in the summit, has encouraged civil disobedience to laws that promote LGBTQ plus equality. Um, And the civil disobedience is encouraged in order to uphold God's law. So you see how they're really weaponizing hate um, towards the LGBTQ plus community. It's terrifying because the listeners are picking it up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, A relatively new group called Advancing American Freedom, led by, guess who? Trump. Very close. Mm-hmm. Former Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, yeah. They're another summit sponsor. And this group claims as members of its advisory board, people like Pastor James Jeffress, who said Islam promotes pedophilia, has likened LGBTQ plus people to murderers, said they are prone to disease and dangerous to children. And in a sermon about homosexuality said, although God takes no pleasure in the 
pleasure in the death of, death of the wicked, there's a point where God's patience will end and his judgment will come. Well, God probably does like pleather, um, especially a nice skin pant. Uh, you know, let's just add some zest in life. Uh, yes, keep it zesty. Keep it zesty. Pleather. So you can see listeners that are, um, you know, looking for a cause to take up arms and fight and be violent. Like, here it is. Here's here's your reason, people. Here's your enemy. It's a, de- a direct threat to your religious beliefs. When you've been so trained to have like this polarized, you know, like you have to have an enemy is like the concept in politics is like you if you're on this side you have to hate these things like there's very little middle so divisive Mm -hmm. although the summit co-chairs have said that religious freedom means the profound right of all people to live their lives in accordance with the dictates of their own conscience the extremists sponsoring and participating in the summit define religious freedom as the legal privilege of white, straight, cisgender, conservative Christians to discriminate against those who do not share their beliefs. The Southern Poverty Law Center rejects that definition, and so do I, and I'm guessing so do you. So do I. So it is Deeply Disturbing Things podcast. That is not the direction that we need to go. No, that's going backwards and not far enough in a good way. Mm -hmm. So you can see that there is a link between this messaging being put out there and violence being perpetrated towards the LGBTQ plus community. And that's the only way they can do it too, is then link it with something that makes people angry. Pedophilia, obviously that makes people angry. So like- Don't hurt my kids. What? They're trying to sexually abuse my kids? Right, because- Trying to groom my kids. Like, who cares? (laughs) Like, who cares other than if they mess with kids? That's like people saying, okay, now everyone's angry and they're willing to do something about it and they're not willing to like- learn to look into it right oh it's really dangerous yeah so you know we we always think oh it's those other states those other states right we think of washington as being comparatively progressive well there are currently two anti-trans bills on the books in our state of washington scary just tisk folks but so, um, those off. one that has to do with not being able to discuss gender identity in elementary school age classrooms. So it's, it's scary. We have to be on guard. Um, we have to stand up. So that's my topic. I'm extremely concerned about it. I think everybody yeah. needs to be vigilant and, you know, write your political leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, support the side of love. I think, you know, I've had people ask me, like, how do I know I'm on the right side? It's like, if you're on the side of love, that's the right side. Like, always. That's always going to be the right side. Right. There's never bad with that. Right. Mm -hmm. That's my topic. Stay vigilant, advocate, and read, like, 
when you go to vote, I know it's tempting to just like toss it to the side, but like look up what those numbers are where it has like the proposed bill or whatever, you know, like actually read and read up on the person, on the people and don't just trust political parties either. Like, oh, I'm going to vote all Democrat. And these are the people that are all just, you know, filling this person's name. Like read about them. You don't know. You never know. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Do your research. Get your information from diverse sources. Become a savvy connoisseur of information. Good topic. Thank you. Right, top I'm excited about yours. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a shift. So last week um, when I shared about the sewing machine that I found at the estate sale, there was a thimble in it. And this thimble um, had a picture of this kind of scary looking woman on it. <laughs> Just in, It was like what I would imagine a, a witch at Halloween costume would look like. And... And on the other side, it said Mother Shipton's Cave. I think that was the coolest thing you found, to be honest. Right, right. And and Sarah was like, what is that? And then she started reading about it. I'm like, what? Okay, so I I researched, I found some information, and I'm going to share what it is. And it is interesting. And tell me everything. This whole thing full of buttons and all these things, only one thimble. This is the one thing in there that is like identifiable like this. So. It makes me like, why, <laughs> why this? Um, okay, so first of all, my anger got me a little, a little heated, a little hot. A little heated. You know what? And just here, I just sat and said like we shouldn't hide our sexuality and all of that. And I literally just before this podcast was like, I'm I know you did. My You're like, I'm going out to I'm going out to dinner tonight, and so I have a dress cleaves. that shows cleavage. And so there, you guys get some here. Sorry, Dad a gift there you go it's a gift you're welcome okay so i'm gonna i first thing i did was look up uh mother shipton's cave because that's what was there okay so is there an actual cave there's a legit cave i'm gonna show you a picture let me see if i can like let me see i can't okay i can't show you a picture okay i'll imagine it in my mind okay great it's very so, cave-like. Actually, I'm gonna. Sh- I'm. Hmm, you can Google it. I'll Google you're it over there. You can Google it. So, okay, Mother Shipton's Cave is a real place, and it's at Narrowsborough, Northshire, England, near River Nid. Nearby is a petrifying well, also known as a dropping well. Do you know what? what that? I know. I was like, what? So. <laughs> The Dropping Wall is the oldest tourist attraction to charge a fee in England and has been operating since 1630. Okay. So the water of the well is so rich in sulfate and carbonate that artifacts may be put in the well to be petrified and encrusted as a tourist attraction. It happens that fast. What? Yeah. What is it? What does a petrified artifact look like? I mean. Like, does it just make it all like? it like it like well have you seen petrified wood right it actually kind of like hollows it a bit and yeah so it does that like instantly it's the water is so heavy with these um uh with the sulfate and carbonate crazy 
Yeah, I know. So it's really interesting. I've never heard of that before. Did you say England? Yes, England. Okay. So the place is associated with a legendary soothsayer. Another word I had never known before. Soothsayer is also another term for like a prophet or a prophetess. Love it. Say so all mother, the suits. I know. Mother Shipton was her name. Um, and this is between 1488 to 1561. Her name was Ursula South Hale. And she was the wife name. Ursula South Hale and reportedly the wife of Toby Shipton. According to a legend, she was born in the cave that is right near this well. Well, Ursula is the name of the sea witch in Little Mermaid. That's very true. You are not wrong. The cave and the dropping well together with other nearby attractions, like they stay open and are privately run by Mother Shipton's cave, um, like an organization that was built around it for protection. So, so it is a real place. It's still run as a tourist attraction and has been there for a while. So then that brought me to Mother Shipton, Ursula South Hill, South Hill, Hill, Hill H-E-I-L. Oh, like Heil Hiller? Heil, Heil, yeah, South Heil. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, maybe that's the connection. In Both our of our topics were connected by Hiller. Okay, I am going to show you this picture. I'm going to just paste it over here because it's creepy. Um, okay, so as I'm like looking up information, this is the picture that pops up and it freaks me out. This is about the time when I told Sarah to stop researching it, that I needed to look at it. Okay. There's Mother Shipton. Oh, what is that? With either the, uh, what it's labeled as possibly a familiar or a monkey. Oh. Yeah. Is it a, like, human? It's so little. And the hand is terrifying to me. <laughs> and wow, Mother Shipton has a serious case of the drop shoulders. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Yes. So, and I've seen other pictures that made her look more like the typical. Some witch. shoulder pads would help with that look. Right. Right. So she has sometimes been described as a witch. Uh, it was associated with folklore uh, involving the origin of the Rollwright stones in o Oxfordshire. So this is where reportedly a king and his men transformed to stone after failing her test. So I went and looked it up and like, there's like these series of like odd looking and odd shaped stones. And so the legend is that she turned them into stone when they failed a test. Are they megaliths? Maybe you should ask your son about it. I roll, should. Roll right stones, R-O-L-L-R-I-G-H-T stones. R-O-L-L-R-I-G-H-T. Like okay. roll, roll to the right. <laughs> Think that roll right stones. Um, okay, so there in 1610, William Camden actually had a rhyming, like a rhyme for this, uh, too, that talked about this that happened. The first known edition of her prophecies. So she started um prophesizing and it was printed in 1641. 80 years after she died. Uh, the timing suggests that um, what was published was really kind of that mythical account. It's obviously after and that there can be issues with that, but there are, there are historical points that she is mentioned by other people 
um, in history, which I thought was really interesting. So they they do think that she was a real person. First of all, they they do think okay. she was real, um, and and it's probably because of these other pieces too. So, but the prophecy details came somewhat later. One of the most notable additions was in 1684. It gave her birthplace as Narrowsboro, Yorkshire, in a cave as known as Mother Shipton's Cave. Um, the book said that she was hideously ugly, that oh. she married Toby Shipton. I know all these homeless. In the eye of the beholder, come right. on said that her husband was a local carpenter in 1512 and that she told fortunes and made predictions throughout her life. So let's talk a little bit about the history of Mother Shipton. So she was born in 1488 to a 15-year-old Agatha Soothtail in a cave in North Yorkshire. Born in a cave? Born in that cave, in that cave. Oh, in that cave. Oh, it's her cave from birth. The earliest sources of this legend was around 1667. So there's two sources where they talk about this origin story. So one says that she was born during a violent thunderstorm, was deformed, ugly, born with a hunchback and bulging eyes. The source also states that she cackled instead of crying after being born. And as she did, the storm ceased. So historians actually do think that she may have had some physical deformities like a hunchback and maybe a a bigger nose than some other people in the region for whatever reason so that so she's kind of targeted yeah based Um, on her appearance the sources report that ursula's mother agatha was poor um 15 year old orphan had no means to support herself fell under influences of the devil Agatha reportedly engaged in an affair resulting in the birth of Ursula. Oh. So there's been some variations of this legend. One said that Agatha herself was a witch and summoned the devil to conceive a child. Well, she's only 15. I mean, is that young at the time or is that like typical to have kids? I mean, it was kind of written like it was typical Hmm. or maybe not have kids or at least I don't know be thinking about it or having them i i don't know i'm not so she was that. married and like had an affair possibly yeah okay. so the true origin of the father's unknown uh agatha refusing to leave him at one point um agatha was brought before the local magistrate but refused to disclose his identity of her husband the scandalous nature of of all of this and the birth meant the two were ostracized from society and forced to live alone in the same cave where she was born. Um, For the first two years of Ursula's life, there were rumors that Agatha was a witch and that Ursula was the spawn of Satan and that was perpetuated within the community. Due to the cave's well-known skull-shaped pool, it has a skull-shaped pool, by the way, uh, which turned things to stone which would be the well, right? The water that's there. So Uh, interesting. The cave, that's the Mother Shipton's cave. So the true petrification process closely resembles the process by which it's called stalactites are formed. Coating objects left in the cave with layers of minerals and essence hardening porous. Oh, got it. They become hard and stone-like. So were they drinking that water while they lived in there? 
I have no idea. Maybe, maybe hmm. that's all, maybe that is what happened in all of this. Um, some 17th century sources said that after two years of living alone of the, in the forest, that, um, that one of the local abbeys, abbeys uh, intervened. They removed them from the cave and secured Agatha in the covenant of the order of St. Bridget in Nottinghamshire. And Ursula was then given to a foster family. Agatha and Ursula never saw each other again. Huh. Okay. So. I mean, they sound like our people. They sound like Dear Abbey Normals. Right, To right. the core. Just well, ostracized for not fitting in with the normies. It's really interesting because there's so many, like, pieces of like historical records that talk about it like there's actually so much detail for something that's supposedly legend like most of the time when I look up stuff like that it's you get like a very soft story around what happened and not so much detail it is interesting it's a lot of detail oh and there's more here we go so hmm. <laughs> most contemporary descriptions it's likely she had a crooked nose and had possibly crooked legs and a hunchback I'm wondering if like what maybe polio i don't know like something or if you're uh, drinking that stalactite water who right. knows what that can do to one she supposedly found acceptance with her foster family and a few friends but ultimately ostracized from people in town she found sanctuary in the woods like her mother had and spent her childhood learning about plants and herbs and medicinal properties of those so helpful skills i wish i knew more so legends of her childhood legends i don't kind of really like this word some myths about her childhood because we don't know um that was when she was two years old she was left alone at home while her foster mother left to run errands her mom returned to find the front door wide open afraid of what might still be in the house she called to her neighbors for assistance and the group heard a loud wailing quote like a thousand cats in consort throughout the house ursula's cradle was found empty after a frantic search throughout the house, her mother looked up to see Ursula naked and cackling, perched on top of the iron bar where the pot hooks were fastened above the fireplace. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> then a source dating to 1686 says of an event where chief members of the parish were gathered together in a meeting, and Ursula walked past the group, um, running an errand for her mom, and the men stopped to mock her, calling her a hag face and the devil's oh. bastard. Ursula, Ursula kept walking to continue her errands because she's a bigger person than that. And yeah. as, as the men sat down, though, the ruff on the neck of one of the principal yeomans transformed and a toilet seat clapped down around Wait, clapped down around his neck. And Wait, the man next to him began to laugh. And as he did, the hat he was wearing was suddenly replaced with a chamber pot. The gathering members of the parish began to laugh loudly enough that the master of the house came running to see what was happening. And then when he tried to run through the door, he found himself blocked by a large pair of horns that suddenly grew from his head. The sources report that the strange occurrences reverted to normal shortly afterwards, and the townspeople took them as a sign to not publicly mock Ursula. Well, good. Don't. Right. I mean, that's a great takeaway. So, <laughs> and why is that mom leaving a baby alone? You know, in that first scenario. Anyway, I know, I know. it's it's interesting. Um, so what's a baby to do but crawl out of the crib and be on know. the ceiling? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Babies are naked unless babies are naked. Your diaper falls off. What? So adulthood, 
Ursula grew up, she started learning more about plants and herbs and became actually a valuable resource to the townspeople as an herbalist. Uh, the respect oh, she now earned, they come to her. When they need her. <laughs> the Gosh. respect she earned from her work gave her the opportunity to expand a social circle. And that's where she met Toby Shipton, the carpenter. When Ursula was 24, she and Tony were married. And from this point, Ursula adopted her husband's surname and became Mother Shipton. The people in town were shocked at their union. And there's a lot of like, oh, she bewitched him into marrying her. About a month into her marriage, a neighbor came to the door and asked her for help, saying she had left her door open and a thief had come in and stole a smock and a petticoat. Without hesitation, Mother Shipton calmed her neighbor and said she knew exactly who stole the clothing and would retrieve it the next day. The next morning, Mother Shipton and her neighbor went to the market cross. The woman had who had stolen the clothing couldn't stop herself from putting the smock on over her clothes, the petticoat in her hand, and marched right into town. When she arrived at the market cross, she began dancing and danced straight for Mother Shipton and her neighbor, all the while singing, I stole my neighbor's smock and coat. I am a thief, and here I shoot. <laughs> when she reached here Mother Shipton, she, yeah, she took off the smock, handed it over, cursed, and left. I don't know, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. Um, <laughs> two years later, in 1514, Toby Shepton died. Two years. After, so he died oh, in two it. years. And okay. the town believed Ursula was at fault. Um, the grief of losing her husband and the harsh words of the town prompted Ursula to move back to the woods where she grew up in the same cave she had been born in for peace. From the She town. went back to the cave? Yep, yeah. So here she continued to create potions, herbal remedies. Mother Shipton's name slowly became more and more well-known and people would travel really far distances to start getting these potions and spells from her. Or well, hopefully she had it set up nice, you know. I mean, you could make a cave pretty swanky, I guess. Yeah, why not? Uh, she got bolder and started to reveal that she could see the future. She started Ooh. making small prophecies involving her town and the people. And as her prophecies came true, she began telling prophecies of the monarchy and the future of the world. So in 1537, King Henry, oh, and Roman numerals, what's a V in two, two eyes? Seven. Seven. King Henry, Henry the seventh wrote a letter to Duke of Norfolk where he mentions a witch of York, believed by some to be a reference to Shipton. So- mm. This is the prophecies. Water shall come over Ouse Bridge, and a windmill shall be set upon a tower, and an elm tree shall lie at every man's door. Okay. So the river, the river Ouse was the river next to York. So she says over Ouse Bridge, and Ouse Bridge was the bridge over the river. This prophecy meant nothing to the people of York at all in town until the town got a piped water system. The system brought water across the bridge to a windmill that drew up water through the pipes. The pipes were then used were made or the pipes used then were made out of elm trees and the pipes came to every man's door delivering water. So I'll read it again. Water shall come over Ouse Bridge and a windmill shall be set upon a tower and an elm tree shall lie at every man's door. It seems a lot more specific than the Nostradamus ones. Right, 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 right. Okay, here's the next one. 
Before Ousbridge and Trinity Church meet, what is built in the day shall fall in the night, till the highest stone in the church be the lowest stone of the bridge. Okay. So not long after Mother Shifton did the uttered this prophecy, a huge storm hit York. During the storm, the steeple on the top of Trinity Church fell and a portion of the house bridge was destroyed and swept away by the river. Later, when making repairs to the bridge, pieces that had previously been the steeple of the church were found, uh, were, sorry, that were used as the steeple of the church were used as the foundation of the new section of the bridge, effectively making Trinity Church and the house bridge what was built in the day and fell in the night and the steeple from Trinity Church, the highest stone to be the foundation of the bridge, the lowest stone of the bridge. So I'll read it again. Okay. Be- before Ouse Bridge and Trinity Church meet, what is built in the day shall fall in the night, till the highest stone in the church be the lowest stone of the bridge. That's that worked. Pretty, that's pretty brilliant. It is. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of the Nostradamus I did that topic, and it was... I was like, okay, I mean, like... There's a lot of stretches. Yeah, it was like, okay, I guess I could apply to a million things. But, like, this is specifically about her town. She's naming a specific thing. Yeah, this one has specific places. So it's a lot more legitimate in my book. All right, so here's the prophecy of Henry VIII. Oh, it was the eighth, not the sixth. I may have told you wrong. Okay, Okay. the eighth would be V and three eyes. Oh, that's what it was. Sorry, I said it wrong. Okay, so... (laughs) When the cow doth ride the bull, then priests beware the skull. And when the lower shrubs do fall, the great trees quickly follow shall. The metered peacock's lofty cry shall be his master's be a guide. And one great court to pass shall bring what was never done by any king. The poor shall grieve to see that day and who did feast must fast and pray. Fate so decreed their overthrow, riches brought pride, and pride brought woe. 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 And then it repeats, when the cow doth ride the bull, then priest beware the skull. Again. Okay. So. What is it? What does it mean? <laughs> so often when Mother Shipton would have visions of specific people, she wouldn't see, wouldn't see or say faces or names but their family, their family, like history. So uh, the cow mentioned represents the heraldry of Henry VIII and the bull similarly represents Anna Boleyn or Anne Boleyn, sorry. Mother Shipton is marking the beginning of her prophecy to the marriage of King Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn. So when they, when the, let's see here. So he's the cow, she's the bull. So when the cow doth ride the bull, uh, when they get married and once they are wed, the priests need to be, the priests need to beware. This is because their marriage marks the beginning of the dissolution of the monasteries. So King uh-huh. Henry VIII starts demobilizing all monasteries, priories, and covenants in England. Oh, Many priests, both religious and secular, lost their lives for pressing against the laws made to limit the Catholic Church's power during this time. Hmm. So, um, the metered peacock's lofty cry shall to be shall to his masters be a guide. In the late 15th century and early 16th century, 
Henry VIII was not the controlling force behind all policies. The man who was controlling figure was King's chief advisor, Tommy Wolsey. Tommy Wolsey was the son of a butcher who rose up and became chancellor and then cardinal of the Catholic Church. He was the king's chief advisor and a controlling figure. Wolsey was often described as the altar rex, the other king, because of how much influence he had. Um, in her prophecy, Mother Shifton refers to him as a metered peacock as he came from the lowly state of being the son of a butcher to controlling and guiding King Henry and all his policies in England. And the one, lowly peacock. Uh-huh. And one great court shall pass, one great court to pass shall bring what was never done by any king. This portion refers to King VIII seizing power from the Catholic Church and his creation of the Church of England, which was never done by any king before. Hmm. The poor shall grieve to see the day, and who did feast must fast and pray. Fate so decreed their overthrow, riches brought pride, and pride brought woe. Was she already dead at this time? Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. so, so she didn't live to see her no. prophecies come to fruition. King Henry VIII wanted to wanted to take control of all the land and property owned by the monasteries. Uh, he did this by forcing the monasteries to surrender all their property um, and expel the monks. The poor were ultimately the ones that suffered because that was really their only source of charity and fed the poor in the areas um, with the monasteries all abolished. The former funds used the, for the charity went to the king's treasury instead. So Mother Shipton then says this fall of the church was inevitable. As the church became more wealthy, they became more prideful. Their lack of humility had ultimately led to their downfall. That's the, oh. the moral of the story. It's a good so, moral. I mean, I guess. <laughs> the most famously claimed edition of the prophecies um, is this one. Widely quoted today as if it were an original, it contains over 100 prophetic rhymed couplets. The language is notably non non-16th century but this is the world to end shall come in 1881 okay the world to end shall come in 1881 so it wasn't published until 1862 more than a decade later that's kind of um, close yeah so this predicted that the world would end in 19 or there's another version that says it would end in 1991 in the late 1970s um there was more prophecies that it would occur in 1981. Uh, so there's another quoted version, a carriage without a horse shall go, disaster fill the world with woe, in water iron then shall float as easy as a wooden boat. So there, these are all like, there's a lot of them together around here about something about 1881 and like an end of times. Hmm. And that's it for that part of it. So um. We do think well, that we good. didn't end in 1881. What was that? We didn't end in 1881. So we didn't, or 1981, or 1991, or 18. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, so really the legacy, uh her name has been associated with many tragic events and strange going-ons in the UK and um as well as North America and Australia. Many fortune tellers use her um effigy in uh to kind of like as an association, as a, a, as a marker for um, future telling. Many English pubs were named after her. Only two survive now, one near her pur purported birthplace and another in Portsmouth. 
a character character oh, caricature of Mother Shipton um, has come up in many different places. So it makes sense why it's on the thimble. It became like a something that just was put on things all the time. Um, and that what I thought the thimble. Remember it said made a made of bone of England. So um, actually was made in England. But so maybe those people person. went there and that was like their their tourist souvenir that they picked right. up. And I, I Googled like thimbles of that and I found some other variations, but I can't find the one that I have, which is kind of cool that, you know, just not there. Um, they actually in 2013 raised a raised 35,000 pounds to put up a statue of Shipton in Narrowsboro. And they did. Um, it was completed in 2017. And she sits on a bench in the town's market in the town's market square. And she has like a bunch of like herbs and stuff and hats. And um, there's some feet coming out of the hat. Uh, it's it's interesting. Um, so Mother Shipton is also referred in other other places of prophecy. Uh, one of them is Daniel Defoe's A Journal of the Plague Year in 1722, which he refers to this. He refers to her within his fortune tellings. Yeah, so that's Mother Shipton. She sounds like a swell gal. I want to look up the cave and the skull-shaped lake. Here, let me show you all. I all mean, it must be a huge cave if it has a lake inside. No, it said a pond. Didn't it say a pond? Uh, I don't think it said lake. Mother Shipton's cave. There are actually quite a bit of pictures of it. Here, I'll pull it up so you can see it. Okay. And when we do it this way, our folks can see it too. Okay. I wonder see? if she would have liked to have hung out with us. I'm sure she would have. Like, look at this cool entryway into the cave, first of all. Ooh. Cool looking. And then these are like like hangings like of things across the this must be the pool here. Um there's like carvings of her inside oh wow isn't that creepy looking there's the oh there's the cool yeah so that's the it's really pretty it really is so does it look like a skull too let me see let me go back to that um i mean i kind of see like what they're saying i wouldn't probably guess that on my own probably not but yeah, it's a tourist attraction. You can go there, check out the stuff. So all those things hanging are the petrified stuff that's been dipped in the well. So you just dip it in there and it instantly turns into that. Yeah. That is crazy. So that I was 100% a, very, go. a very cool find uh, that brought up a topic I never would have known to like. No. <laughs> just think there's so many cool things like that that we have yet to discover in life. Right. Always. What would you learn. dip in the pool? Mm, everything. everything. I'd probably charge money, I imagine. Probably like per dipping or whatever. Per dip, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we didn't get to see Sarah. Sad. I guess she's probably caught in, up in a crawl tube at Chuck E. Cheese or mm -hmm. caught probably. up in like one of those singing things with the, the giant rat. 100% that happened. Um, do you want to give a plug before we sign off? 
Yes, please be our Patreon, our patron on Patreon. It's only a dollar and you'll get access to all kinds of fun, exclusive content, behind the scenes info, polls, games, freebies. The list is really endless. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't listen to our last episode, I talked about estate sales. <laughs> and I talked about the Millie Vanilli scandal. And until next time, you better watch yourself or you're going to end up in a prophecy. And use your religious freedom that is amazing that you have to defend the rights of others. Duh. Bye. Bye. Bye.